millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we're here with a transfer deadline day update from Manchester United, although admittedly, not much news to discuss on it um, from today, uh, but we're very pleased to have Joshy back on. You can find on Twitter at Duck underscore Joshy now that he's properly reclaimed his uh, formal Twitter handle there. So, Josh, you're very happy for that and to have you back on. Uh, we'll start off with, obviously, not any deals today because there were none, but the window actually started off pretty promisingly, um, getting low in pretty cheaply from Porto, a very promising young right back at a position where, obviously, Darmian hasn't really thrived, although Valencia has done well since shifting back to defense. You also bring in Fred, who had been linked to a, a lot of other big clubs and seemed to be filling a void left by Carrick, who's uh, moved on uh, career-wise, and you had Fellaini, who it looked like he was going to go. But th- those seemed pretty early and good signings. Were you were you happy with the motion uh, in the early stages of the window? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, at the beginning of the window, when well, though, well, it wasn't right at the beginning, but when those two deals happened, I think they happened in the same week. So, you know, I was like, oh, there's a little flurry of activity here. Um, and the key was like Fred is or Fregi apparently or Fresh. I don't know. There's there's a way to pronounce it. But anyway, Fred, we'll keep it at that. Um, you know, he's he's highly rated. Uh, heard a lot about him. Seen him in the Champions League. Impressed. Although you know, there's obviously still a lot of room for improvement. He's at a good age coming into his prime. I think about in his mid twenties. And um, really. When you know he's he's filling a hole in the squad in terms of personnel for, uh, with Carrick retiring, but I, they're very much different players. And I think the idea of um, sort of Fred is that uh, is that kind of player that can break things up and then take the ball forward. And, and w- when we've seen him, when I've seen him in sort of the Champions League and in preseason, he does get his head up very quickly. He's very good on with his feet on the ball as well. So he's, he's well, I've seen him get out of some tight situations um, really well, and, and he does look up early and likes to pass early, which I think, as as things develop, will um, benefit when when Lukaku is making those runs in the channels, and you've got likes of Sanchez and Rashford and, and Mata going into space and Lingard and things like that. So look, he looks like an exciting signing, but I, I do I don't want to say, um, you know, he's game-changing the thing is uh, he's coming from a, a, an inferior league let's face it he, uh, the good thing about it is I think it's a fairly physical league um, the conditions aren't always the best so you know he's had to adapt in those situations and by all accounts from when you read about what, what's been said about him by his previous coaches they're very impressed and they, they love his attitude and his work rate and his ability but they're 
is a bit of a like, well, it might take him time to adapt. Uh, and I think that's what's happened in previous um, uh, previous sort of uh, teams when he's, he's arrived. So really pleased with that signing because I think that that midfield spot was needed. And he's that kind of player that can, I think, in on paper can complement Matic and Pogba. Matic can now, I think one of the things is he can now just sit. He doesn't have to travel with the ball forward, which sometimes we saw last season. He doesn't have to support in those whole uh, in the sort of higher up areas, which we did see him do early on in the season. Um, and this signing should hopefully help him conserve his legs as well uh, in the in that regard. And Pogba is obviously we know all about him, and we just need a bit more consistency from him. And uh, we saw that in the World Cup. So hopefully, on paper, those three together can really form a formidable midfield. So for me. Excited to see him regularly in the Premier League, but I'm not going to sort of get overly sort of overly praise him and, 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 and sort of try and make him out to be better than he is. But it looks like a very good signing and a lot of top clubs are in for him. Hmm. Delo is a different um, uh, sort of prospect for me. I don't I didn't know a lot about him, if I'm honest with you. So most of what I know is from conversations with people who have seen him at um, in in Portugal, and who have sort of followed him, or uh, or from things that I've read, and he can play on the right or the left. Young, promising, very promising uh, fullback. He's extremely highly rated from what I've read, uh, and and uh, excellent deliverer, delivery delivery uh, crossing. You know, in the final third, which I think will benefit someone like Lukaku, because at the moment Antonio Valencia on that right hand side, his crossing for whatever reason I don't know, given he's a converted winger it's just poor um but yeah I, I, i'm you know it but those two signings i was very i was very pleased with because it was in key areas where we do need to have um cover um obviously since then oh and let's not forget lee grant who's come in yeah. uh, as a sort of basically third choice goalkeeper to allow per, uh, joel Pereira to go out on loan and and develop again he's going to a big club in portugal and hopefully he'll get He'll be the starting goalkeeper there and really develop his game. It's not really an area, obviously, where we're worried. We've got De Gea, and now with Courtois going to Real Madrid, um, I don't, you know, De Gea has basically signed on for life at Manchester United, unfortunately for him. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. He's probably the, he's up there with the best keepers I've ever seen. And I've, you know, watched Van der Sar and Schmeichel on a, on a, regular basis and unfortunately is in is at the club in an era where we're just not winning a lot of stuff but uh um but really pleased that he's very likely to stay on now so yeah so that's the transfer activity we've had and, and you know each signing has has a, has their merits um i'm not i wouldn't say i'm upset about any of them i think they're all good signings in themselves Overall, obviously, we, we would have liked more, but there's, you know, hopefully things to look forward to. Yeah, then things seemed like they would accelerate. Jose Mourinho had the noted five players that he, he wanted to be picked from uh, at center back. Then it sounded like maybe you would get two of them, then slowly became one of them. And then by the end of the window, ended up being none of them. Uh, were the, were any of the center backs listed ones that you thought you really would have liked to add in particular, or was it just any of them and then came up short? No, I think um, well through the summer we've been linked with 
I can't, I wouldn't be able to tell you how many, but off the top of my head, we had Varane, Maguire, um, Alderweireld, uh, there was that Turkish guy, we've been, what, Boateng, um, Yerimina, and those are just in the last week or so. And then in that last minute, we had uh, news of a bid for Godin, which had turned out to be the agent um, sort of playing with us a little bit to get his guy a new contract. Um, so a lot of a uh, lot of names and in, in just the last week before that we, we you know there were a lot of other names even like the likes of Johnny Evans so it's an area where I think we've got a lot of depth um, in terms of numbers not necessarily in terms of quality but I, it was whilst I would have liked to get I would say out of all of those, um, and being realistic, given Godin was not a realistic target because they were just sort of, he was never going to leave Atletico. Um, Alderweireld would have been my choice of the ones that I've mentioned because uh, Varane, again, would wasn't a realistic target, mm. although I think he's, he's up there now with the, some of the best, probably in that top tier of centre-back. So Alderweireld, um, you know, he, he's a, we, we know in terms of his quality, what he can do, we've seen it in the Premier League. We saw it in the World Cup. Uh, he's he's a, it, now in this situation at centre back. I would I don't mind that he's he's sort of 29 years old. You know, everyone talks about age, but um, I don't mind because that he's got a lot of experience. He brings and a lot of leadership. Be a player's prime before this kind of youth yeah. fetishization that happened in football. Yeah, and, and especially at centre back, centre backs can can be a bit more can have a bit more longevity, and um, so I think. You know, if he had come in, and the reason, even though we've got a lot of numbers at centre back, the reason why I like it would have liked him. Um, you know, him coming in with that experience and just that ability to play on the ground and and that that level headedness and leadership alongside um, Bai and Lindelof, not necessarily in a three, but you know, alongside them in the squad. You know, there's that sort of almost mentorship type situation you've got going on there. Because those who are around 20 to 23 years old, they're, they're still developing their game. And again, like I said, especially at centre back, we want you're going to see that later on in their in their career at their peak. Those two, I think, potentially could be a long term partnership at United. So at that at at the back, I wouldn't have minded that that sort of more experienced player. And then when we were linked with Godin, hypothetically, I would have was like I'd be ecstatic with that. But knowing full well it's a last minute just rumor that we're that's never going to happen. Uh, and I tweeted that, so I'm not just saying that for the podcast. Um, but still, you know that that age, he's coming in. Uh, he's an elite centre back. Really can help mentor the likes of Bay and Lindelof. And I think when you look at the rest of the, num- the squad, like Smalling, good, not great. Jones, I think Jones is an excellent player, but he's just always injured, so he just doesn't get that rhythm going. He can't. Whenever he's had long stretches in the team, I think he's done excellently. Um, yeah, we talk about how he makes silly faces and things like that. And, and there was that famous thing where he he slipped and was falling to the ground and then, you know, headed the ball out of Giroud's path against Arsenal. And I think that was a great bit of improvised defending. But obviously, because it's Phil Jones, it becomes a comedy moment. But I think he's a good player, but he just can't rely on him. Um, so there's an issue there. And Rojo, I think a lot of United fans like him very much. And he he is versatile, but I don't think he is a top level centre back and again I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have minded to say for example we got rid of two of those three and brought in Alderweireld that would have been that would have been nice for me now Mm. it didn't happen 
but it's not to me it's not the end of the world jose Mourinho was given has already spent 60 65 60 65 million pounds on bay and lindelof now it might be that he doesn't trust them from an injury perspective might be that he doesn't trust them um from an experience perspective but he has spent 65 million pounds on two center backs and he has never started them together so to me i think there needs there's an issue there where he needs to start he needs to look at himself and go well actually right i don't have that center back that i wanted now it's time for me to put my coaching skills to to the test and get them playing together they're two center back like lindelof excellent during the world cup we saw that um bay we know can be excellent now with him there's obviously again the injury issues and hopefully he, he's he's okay towards the end of last he came, he came back and was actually available last season but um uh, the uh, Mourinho didn't play him for whatever reason and it was uh, i think it was apparently because he came to training late or something i can't remember exactly what the reason is but he's been fit he's been training um so hopefully he can develop that long-term partnership so for me I want to see Jose Mourinho bring his, because let's face it, he's a top-level coach and has been for a long time. He's a winner. We want to bring that expertise now to these two young centre-backs and just go, fine, we're, we're now just going to say, let's trust these two. Because you can't trust Smalling because he's not good enough. You can't trust Jones because he's always injured and he has got a mistake in him. You can't trust Joe Rojo because he's not good enough. So just let's put faith in the two signings that he he wanted them, you know, so that's what I would say from the centre-back perspective. Yeah, we missed out, um, but there were other areas that I'm sort of not bitterly, well, yeah, bitterly disappointed, actually, because I am bitter about the Glazers. But um, there are other areas of the squad that I would have focused on anyway. That's a really interesting point that this gives those players an opportunity to play because I think a lot of clubs who are frustrated that they didn't make signings, including my own, forget that this is how a lot of younger players break through into the team is when they aren't blocked off by a big signing. So there is potentially an upside, um, but I think I might just be going through the acceptance stage of uh, getting through grief. Um, but... No, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's uh, it's not a bad thing, and I don't mind. Uh, I'm not, I am, like, a, whilst I am bitterly disappointed, I do like the idea of um, some of the younger players coming through. The only problem with that is, Juan Zebe's gone out on loan. Fosse Menza's gone out on loan. So actually, our young players that would would have potentially played at centre back aren't there. So you know that's that's not an issue because actually I want to see Lindelof Bay play more, and then you've got three waiting in the in in the wings as backup. So that's fine. Juan Zebe and Fosse Menza weren't potentially weren't going to get that many games anyway. Although at Fosse Menza at right back would have been a great option. Um, but Fulham have got a good player there on their hands. So, yeah, I don't mind, actually, because we've seen, uh, uh, for, for United, we've seen Andreas Pereira. He's been excellent in preseason, so there's potential there for him to come through. And he's uh, different to what he's done in previous seasons. He's played at, in that deep-lying role, like that Matic role, but a bit more of a playmaker as opposed to Matic, who's like, who sits and wins the ball and then sort of releases in... in um, you know, fairly simple passing. He, he's a good passer, but he doesn't. He's not sort of expansive. So whilst Pereira, again, he's he seems to have added some bite to his game, um, really getting into the tackles, and also he's he, we know he's a good passer. So there's that sort of thing that whilst we have signed signed a midfielder, 
I think he might come in as well a bit more, a uh, bit more often. So we do have options. Um, I don't want to be totally negative, but still, you know, there are, like I say, areas of the squad that need and needed and still need um, some type of, uh, um, well, improvement. Mm. Um, we've kind of mentioned that the lack of signings down the stretch there. Uh, one of the reported reasons. Um, being that maybe the board didn't want to invest in Jose Mourinho. Is, is that how you view it, or do you think there were other factors involved? I think it, I think there were loads of factors involved. And, and you know, people, are, that might be one of them um, in, in the sense that they, maybe not, they didn't want to invest in Jose Mourinho, but they didn't want to invest in Jose Mourinho's targets because like an experienced centre-back to them has no resale value. There's no real commercial value. And this is why I think someone like Harry Maguire came to the top of the list for whatever reason. Uh, let's be frank. I don't actually rate him as a top-tier centre-back. Other people disagree, and that's fine. But he was excellent in the World Cup, has had a lot of press since then, um, would be a good commercial signing, I think, given he's like part of this new generation of England players. But I'd, you know, the caveat to all of this England stuff is they didn't actually play anyone decent. Um when he and, and when he performed well, it wasn't against the the best sides. Uh, against Croatia, they took it to the wire, but ultimately the defending let them down. And I'm not saying Maguire is a rubbish player. I just don't think he comes to United and and elevates the side in any way, shape, or form. Um, and you may people want to talk about him scoring goals from centre back. Well, uh, sorry, like from set pieces. His record actually isn't great. He just sort of did well at the World Cup. Um, so I think this part comes back to what, what the board see as investable assets as opposed to footballing need. So they've sort of indulged um, uh, Mourinho potentially with, with Matic, for example. Sanchez is a commercial asset because he's a superstar player. But if you look around at the other players, Pogba, Bay, Lindelof, Fred, uh, even Mkhitaryan when he signed, they weren't at that sort of 30-year-old and Zlatan came for free and he's obviously a massively marketable character. So I think there's this math, there is this commercial outlook on how they want to do things. And and the other thing is, you know, they I I think that as long as they're making money, they don't care what happens on the pitch. And and that's actually um Edward Wood has said that in an investor call where he goes, it doesn't matter how successful we are on the pitch because we can still we're still a commercial Bermouth offer. And look, this week we've announced three new commercial partners, um, as well as uh, launching a new app, which will get, I'm sure, millions of downloads. So for him, he's happy, he's good to go. And uh, as long as Mourinho can keep us in the top four, I'm sure from a financial perspective, they'll be happy. They don't really care about uh, about the sort of the football and and to me, that's a massive problem. In the long run, that business model won't last. But at the moment, the the Glazers are taking out taking money out of the club and and doing well out of it. So why should they be that bothered? So you know, it's it's uh, from the point of view of the transfer window, uh, the 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 blame is squarely on the Glazers and Edward Wood. I think there's this is we had a lot of the whole um, there's no value in the market sort of stuff that we used to hear from Alex Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And, and and actually, in fairness, there are some ludicrous fees going around. That new keeper that 
Chelsea signed 80 million euros. That is a ludicrous fee. Mm-hmm. And is he, I mean, if he's 80 million euros and, and um, Liverpool are paying, paying 70 something million euros for the Brazilian chap, you're looking at, and we almost sold De Gea for 30 million a couple of years ago. Gee, I'd, you, yeah. you know, with these De Gea is like top tier and these guys are still coming up. So you can see where the board is coming from as well to an extent, but that's the market. That's the market they're playing in. So, you know, I can see why they wouldn't necessarily want to shell out 70 million for Harry Maguire or 60 million for Toby Alderweireld because next year he'll be available for 25. So, there are reasons which I can understand if I look at it without my like football hat on and a business hat on. But to me, it, it doesn't make sense because if we're successful on the pitch, their revenues go up massively. They'll spike. Imagine if we win the league. And this is what I don't get is if we win the league with this level of commercial partnership now if we win the league imagine what that would look like and and that's what i don't get yeah it's kind of like that whole you've got to spend to make money mm. so and the pattern is emerging every single time we we don't make the top four we spend a lot of money then we get back into the top four we don't spend so much so you know i think that top four is like the goal for the glazers really Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, and we're certainly experiencing that at uh, Tom, Tottenham as well. It, the finances make that the target, while obviously on the footballing side, especially the fans, and I'm sure many of the players would like to win something uh, rather than just be financially viable. Um, you brought up a lot of reasons as to why the window was slow on the whole. I mean, City signed one player, you signed three, we signed none. Chelsea had signed none until very recently. Um, you mentioned bringing in uh, Kipa, uh, his last name, um, and uh, obviously get Kovacic in as well. Really, Liverpool of the of the top six were really the only team to heavily invest. Yeah. I suppose Arsenal made moves. I just wasn't impressed by them. So, but yeah, uh, I, I guess all I'm saying is, is it was a slow window, and I think you make some really good points. I think World Cup years are always tough in the market because a lot of players values get overinflated. And then if you're, you're using those as a barometer for the price levels of other players, things get kind of crazy pretty quickly. And I think in large part, Daniel Levy decided to just not play that game. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. United were kind of thinking the same. Yeah, I think that that's fair assessment. The world cup itself would have been, 
would have made certain deals more difficult. But then you, you can look at Liverpool and say they laid the groundwork, they got their plans in place and signed the players that they wanted. But also the window shutting early, which I think is... is I think in principle, I don't mind it shutting early because you should have your... I like to think that your your squad should be... start. You should start your season with the squad that you're going to have. And I think that, to me, makes sense. But only if the rest of Europe is on board with that, right? Now, at the moment, they're not. So with the Premier League is at a massive disadvantage. European clubs don't have to sell to the Premier League. That's why you'll get all these inflated fees because you know there's a short deadline and and all this stuff. And now they're waiting to see whether they can come in and poach certain players. So that obviously didn't help. Um, and I, and I, and again, like the, the inflated fees, yeah, it's, it is a bit, um, you know, it, it's been happening over the last few years and uh, there's going to be a point surely when it, when it's going to sort of settle down because it, it's not sustainable. If a club like Manchester United is, is going to balk at the, at the transfers uh, fees going on, then there's obviously, you know, issues there uh, but on the other teams I think City didn't really need to didn't really need to make um, mm-hmm. a ton of signings uh, I think Mares was an odd one maybe I would have thought they would have targeted a central midfielder and I think George, George, the Chelsea lad Jorginho was one of their targets and yep. Fred was apparently one of their targets and, and, and that they didn't end up with a central midfielder is, it feels a bit odd um, and, and they've ended up with a wide player or an attacking player where they are fairly well stocked. But ultimately, they won the league by 19 points last season. So it's not like they had massive a massive, massive need. And um, I understand they're very impressed with the, the lad Phil Foden. So maybe he'll get more games in central midfield. Um, so... You know, uh, and and uh, and Gundogan is going to be fit. So you you've got a few of things going on there. They didn't need anyone. Arsenal, I do agree, they've made moves, but no one no one in that group are. You know, I don't see them elevating. The more interesting thing is the manager coming in. Uh, how is he going to adapt and and take them forward? Similarly at Chelsea, I think that Jorginho looks like an excellent player, fits Sarri's system. There's going to be that's going to be an interesting thing there. But then signing this keeper, goalkeeper named keeper or Kepper, that was a weird one. I think I know they needed to sign someone because Courtois was leaving, but surely they would have known that early on and, and they would have worked on something else. I don't know how good this guy is, but that is a lot of money on for a for a goalkeeper. But as we've seen with De Gea, they can be invaluable. So they're going to be an interesting side to to watch. Um, although they're potentially a bit light up front unless Morata can find his scoring boots or Batshuayi gets uh, games up front. The interesting, real interesting one is Liverpool. They hit the Champions League final last mm-hmm. season, third in the league. Uh, Klopp has now spent close to 350 million. This, uh, oh, actually 400 million. Actually, I don't even know what the number is. This, this summer they've spent about 160 million, maybe more. So now, if you're if you're a Champions League finalist, certainly you spent that much money, and then in his his time at Liverpool, they're hitting like 350, 400 million. He's got to win the league, right? There's no two ways about it. He has to deliver a big trophy. I don't he know if there can be an expectation for anybody to win the league when City are still they, as built as they are, though. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm saying on in terms of that kind of expenditure with a with a that he's been at Liverpool now for this will be his fourth season. Yeah. It will this be his fourth or fifth fourth season? I think it's I think. his fourth. And no trophy, a lot of um, money spent. He's got to start delivering surely because that's it's not like let's say Tottenham who haven't spent a shit ton of money and they don't you know spend hundreds of millions every summer so you can kind of see well you know progression for tottenham that you wouldn't expect them to sort of go on and and win the league or win um a trophy because they're working within a certain sort of sphere but if you're going to go out and spend the kind of money that klopp has and he's been there for four years uh, or three years and starting his fourth season and it's essentially his team. You're now looking at them having, can they make that step up? So that'll be an interesting one as well. There's a lot, I mean, not a lot happened in the transfer window, but there, but there are interesting things happening at each club, perhaps not at Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for uh, United, there is still a lot of window to go. Just a gentle reminder to folks that the international windows are all still open. Um, except for the Premier League. So Premier League clubs could still lose players. Um, for Manchester United, obviously Fellaini not on the way out. It seemed like he was, and then he signed an extension. Uh, you do still have Anthony Martial, who, however, who is uh, clearly having some issues um, within the club, whether it be minutes-based or whatever is going on between him and Mourinho that I'm not going to speculate on. Um, are you thinking that Martial will still be a United player come September? Yeah, simply because we didn't get anyone in. So I know that right wing position was an area of um, focus for Mourinho, and and rightly so. We don't have a natural right-sided player with Willian and Perisic, although, again, you could argue Perisic isn't naturally right-sided. But the the point is, if we had got someone in, then I think maybe that Martial leaving would be more of an issue. But now that we haven't got someone in, if you think about it, we... In terms of backup for Lukaku, uh, you know there are players who can. There are versatile with Rashford, Sanchez, Martial, all able to play sort of on that left side and through the middle. So, but because we haven't signed anyone, I think we were linked with like Mandzukic and, and other players as well. I think Mario Gomez at one point, uh, if, if I'm right, but uh, we didn't get anyone in, so I don't see him going. It would be foolish to allow him to leave. Um, with having not got someone in. Um, and actually on that point, the idea that, you know, we don't have this right-sided player, but this is again another area where I think Mourinho now has to um, show us his coaching abilities. And it's not something we've seen a lot of him, a lot from him over the years in terms of his attacking coaching. I think he's, seems, he's, he's less sort of structured in the way, we, uh, way teams attacks. He kind of just relies on the, the front lot to do their thing. But... I wouldn't mind seeing him or wouldn't mind seeing Rashford put out on that right side, see how he can get on and really get start to develop into a player. And I think with the new coaching setup with Carrick, uh, Kieran McKenna, there's uh, you can already see in preseason, we're pressing a bit better. Um, we may have more of that, uh, more structure in that side of the, in, in the attacking side of things. And, and I think he's got all the attributes to play on that right hand side. Um and we saw what you know what can happen if you do try someone out on that right side with Mbappe when he went to PSG, 
Uh, and, you know, they obviously had a plethora of attacking talent. So they put him out on the right, even though he, at Monaco he was up front or wide left. And he's obviously done extremely well and, and World Cup showed that as well. Now, I'm not saying Rashford is on the same level talent-wise as Mbappe, but the principle is there. They're both quick, both good with their feet, both good strikers of the ball, and both, you know, um, young and should be able to learn and develop. So that's my idea is like if he can do that and, and see what he can get out of Rashford down that right-hand side long-term. And that's the thing that I, uh, this is where the issue arises, I think, for Mourinho. He wants to win the league and you can't carry a player. And I think if you do try and develop Rashford on that right-hand side, you will have to, in certain matches, sort of carry him. He's not going to be effective in every single game as he's learning that role. And this is where Mourinho sort of maybe lacks a bit. He lacks a bit of patience. Um, even when he plays players out of position, he expects a certain level of consistency, which is a good thing in terms of his intensity and his, his will to win, but not so good when you're trying to allow a young player to learn and develop. So whilst I'd like to see that, I don't think we will. Um, so, yeah, it's an area of need. And, and to go back to your original question, that's why I don't think Martial will go, because we just then we're short in terms of numbers. And we don't have anyone coming through from the academy who can just come in and fill in. Hmm. Um, do you think there will be any other players that go out, maybe uh, young players that are looking to get a loan, or, or any first-teamers like Darmian? So given that um, Fosu Mensah has gone out on loan to Fulham, I think Darmian will now stay because Diego Dallo is injured um, and, and Antonio Valencia is injured. Um, so even if Valencia was fit with Dallo injured, you don't have much cover down that right-hand side. Um, Ashley Young can play there, but then we've only got him and Luke Shaw on the other side. And until Dallo is fit he can play both sides you know there's there's a well either when he is fit because i'm not expecting him to come in straight away and, and tear things up but we've, we're short on at fullback which is just disgraceful to be honest with you so i don't expect um damian to go which is a shame because he's just awful um a potentially one of the center backs could go but that means it will be Rojo if a foreign club is interested. Um, I don't see Smalling or Jones moving abroad. Um, and Martial, whilst I'm, at, well, in my personal opinion, is he won't go, he's probably the other one in the, sort of those attacking positions that may go. Um, but because we've not been able to bring the players in that we wanted to, I don't see too much. Um, activity now for United um potent yeah so those are probably the three the, the two Rojo and potentially Martial but again very much doubtful fair enough uh, any other United thoughts before we head out of here um well look that was a very negative <laughs> assessment and that's because of the tra- that's because of the transfer window right but uh I don't think it's all doom and gloom. And like I say, this is a, it's going to be a challenge for Mourinho to prove that he's still got the ability to coach and manage people and get the best out of them, which he has shown he can do. And the other point to make is, yes, okay, we didn't get these players in and, and maybe we won't sort of win the league, but we've got a group of players in Sanchez, Lukaku, Pogba, um, Mata, Lingard, potentially Fred, you know, these guys, um, have I missed anyone? Marshall, Rashford, right? We didn't see 
the best of those players. Uh, sorry, you could argue that Lingard and to a point Lukaku, but the rest of them, there's so much um, that they could be doing better, right? So we didn't, you know, we saw it in flashes. When Sanchez was here and he hardly did anything since arriving in January, but now he looks fresh, he looks sharp, he looks motivated. Uh, Pogba's coming off the back of an excellent World Cup. Hopefully he can come in and bring some of that leadership that he showed. Fred obviously being a new signing will want to impress. Um, then you've got Rashford and Martial still developing. And yes, they may not be overly happy that they're not starting as many games as they'd like, but they have to sit down and knuckle hard and get those games and earn them. Lingard, hopefully he develops further and Lukaku looks like he's just getting better and better and better. So, you know, none of them really played to their highest potential except probably Lingard. Um, So there's so much room there for these guys to go into. Obviously, the caveat is Mourinho. He he has to be the one that cajoles this out of them, sets them up in a way that gets the best out of them. So, you know, so that's the positive is the fact that these guys can... There's 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 a lot more sort of margin for them to improve than um, I would say a lot of other clubs. So there is potential there. Also with Bay and Lindelof again, there's potential there. And you know De Gea is a world class keeper. So there are things to look forward to. I'd say Pereira again, Andreas Pereira coming in. I like seeing the young players come in. McTominay did he was solid last season. I don't think he's going to be a sort of a top end player or anything like that. But it's nice to see them come through and do a good job because he did do a good job last season. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of things to think about there and lots of uh, things to be positive about. And, you know, I, for one, am looking forward to seeing the season start tomorrow. As much as I am disappointed and annoyed with the Glazers and disappointed with the transfer window, I'm extremely, uh, I'm very much looking forward to the, to the football kicking off and seeing these guys and seeing what they can do. Although, obviously, we're not going to see a lot of them until they're all fully recovered from injuries and World Cup and stuff. But there's a lot of potential in that squad. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Basically, with these shows, um, now we can just focus on the actual football, which is back tomorrow as we record, especially for you as a United fan. Um, So very much looking forward to that. And obviously, on future shows, we'll also be talking about football instead of speculating on players and their motivations and clubs' motivations for keeping or selling them. Um, But, uh, Joshi, an absolute pleasure speaking with you as always. If you want to plug anything or tell people where they can find you, now be a good time. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure chatting about football. Um, Look, you can find me on Twitter uh, at doc underscore Joshi. Um, I'll write on my own website, which is docjoshy.co.uk. I also do um, appear on Full Time Devils YouTube channel and various podcasts, including this one, obviously. Yeah, well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Good luck tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Thank you. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.